Welcome to our last Tuesday of the month book discussion. Just a couple of librarians talking about books we think others might enjoy. September's read is Opioid Indiana by Brian Allen Carr. I'm Amy and joining me today is Erin, the Youth and Teen Services Librarian at North Liberty Library. Hi! Thanks so much for uh, letting me rope you into this. I really appreciate it. No worries. Um, it was a good excuse to reread the this book. Yeah. Um, so yeah, jumping right into that. So about a year ago, you recommended this book to me as a potential for a book club that regularly happens at the library. Um, do you remember what it was about the book that you thought would make a good fit for that? Well, a couple of things. Um, one is that it's a pretty easy read, um, which <laughs> I think sometimes that's really nice for a book club. It's not super long. And um, I always think it's good for like adult book clubs to read something that's maybe from the perspective, um, in this case, a 17-year-old boy. Um, but I also thought the the subject matter was pretty timely because there's different um, issues of drug addiction and poverty and race that come up um, in the story. And, um, you know, I mean, the, the title is Opioid Indiana, but it could easily be, you know, Methland, Iowa. You know, you could, it seemed like a universal story that could be plunked down into um, different spaces pretty easily. So, and I just thought it was a really good book and I don't really read a lot of adult books, so. <laughs> yes, uh, I would agree with everything you said. Um, I also think that it's important for adults to kind of step outside of their own head and try to remember what the world looks like. Um, and what it maybe even looks like to them at their age and and um just to remember what it's like to be uh not an adult and have people making decisions for you and having your life just affected and feel maybe even more out of control than than what we experience um on a daily basis yes um and so you talked about addiction being um, one of the themes that kind of drew you to the book because it is timely. Um, and I felt like that was a real central theme, that and like happiness. And I felt like they were juxtaposed pretty heavily um, as far as like, of course we want to, um, we want everybody in society to find that happiness and that sense of belonging, but obviously not everybody does. And some of that comes up with addiction. Um, but Riggle is also like walking a tightrope between happiness, I think, and his struggles in the world, which everybody does. Um, uh, but I, he also seemed very acutely aware of it. Did you read that as well? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, his his life has, uh, I think, is pretty easy to say that his life has not been exactly happy. 
<laughs> I mean, you find this out very early on that both his parents are dead and he, you know, he's just 17 and it happened a while ago and kind of sprinkled in throughout the, the book are references to like different caregivers that he's had and group homes that he's been in and how those might not have been the best places, but it also seemed like he tried to make the best out of the situations he was in, even if he couldn't recognize it um, at the time. Um, and he, he, um, he always seems to be referencing different, um, he has this philosopher's book that he picked up at a, like a library discard cart, which of course I love. Um, <laughs> he did that and he, he reads it. And uh, I think kind of towards the end, um, you know, he, he talks about, I had, I had to find it again, um, Epicurus and how, um, like, I, I feel like out of all of them, that's the one that probably strikes him the most because he's like, what Epicurus says that you really want out of life is friends, a job you enjoy and time to think. Um, and I think that he, you know, he has a really good friend in, um, his pal Bennett and um, he actually did get a job, which was like the, the whole circumstance surrounding that I thought was very charming and funny. Um, and his job actually, I think gives him time to think um, and that, you know, that makes him happy. I don't know. He, I don't, this is not an original thought, but um, I think the other reason why I liked this book is I, you know, I read and reread Catcher in the Rye a lot. Um, I like when I was a teen, but then I like revisited it when I was in my 20s. And then I think I read it again in my 30s. And like the last time I read it, I was like, oh, man, Holden is so whiny. Like just, you know, uh, but like they're the, they're kind of doing the same thing, searching for, you know, their authenticity and I think happiness, but um, I feel like uh, Riggle, he's he's more real about it and much less whiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about Epicurus, and um, he con he contrasts that theory with like Drake's one of Drake's lyrics or his his yeah. view of what Drake thinks success and happiness is about. Yeah, and um, I think that was a really what you just said about Holden, I think Holden would probably relate better to Drake <laughs> as far as like his pursuit of what he wants yes. seemed more aligned with that than with um, Riggle and Epicurus. Like, Well, and I think too, like, you know, I mean, obviously the Holden Caulfield is privileged and, I, you know, he comes from privilege and so his idea of success is definitely going to be more monetary and uh status driven um whereas Riggle man like that kid has nothing and you know he doesn't uh, he can I think he can figure out a way to you know handle life um hopefully uh and still get meaning out of it, even if he doesn't have like the, the trappings of, you know, 
money and yeah. like traditional success. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and his job, when you mentioned his job, I was like, yes. Um, so there's a point where he, I think it was towards the end, um, where his boss, the chef, then asks him if he wants a promotion, like if he wants to start being a cook. And he's like, no, I think I want to be a dishwasher for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And I think you're, you like pinpointed it exactly like he likes the time that he has to think while he's washing dishes and he likes the time to reflect and and he likes something that he's probably good at and he probably wants to sit in that for a while. Yeah, I think he does even say, I, it's, it's good to be good at something, which like, yeah, like who doesn't want to feel that way? Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're a teen mm-hmm. and, you know, he has um, some issues with most of the adults in his life is like, from what I remember, like even his, I think it was his guidance counselor. Who, the worst, like the worst adult. Yeah. Is. And the thing is like, she's the one who sticks in my mind the most mm-hmm. when I'm thinking about like the characters. And I think it's just because I feel like she failed him. Totally. Like, she assumed that, you know, he was a, you know, smoking dope or vaping at school and like, didn't even, you know, and he realized like, what is the point of even trying to tell this person that she's wrong because she's not going to believe me anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, the school situation I thought was also interesting because the the way that the, the book is said it happens after, you know, this, school shooting in Florida, which, you know, we can all read as Parkland and, you know, how the students were like reacting to that. Um, And the whole conversation, like the text conversation that he has with Bennett and Bennett saying like, oh, we're trying to decide like which teacher we would want to have a gun and, you know, which student we think is going to be the one that, you know, would, would do something like that. And I just think like, I mean, my son is 16 and these are things that they think about and that they joke about, but like, you know, you joke about things a lot because you're concerned or worried and you have to figure out a way to talk about it without being, you know, too serious when you're a teen. But, you know, it's like these types of things, like, you know, we didn't have to think about when we were in high school. Well, I didn't have to think about them, um, but like the first... I think the first school shooting happened when, well, Columbine happened when I was, uh, I think, a freshman in college. And, you know, I just, like, how everything shifts in a community after something like that happens and how it's, like, in the back of your mind but at the forefront of your mind. But when you're a teen and you're in school and you have to do these, you know, active shooter drills, it's... uh, you know, I think it puts a whole different perspective on how you think about your world um, mm-hmm. and your life. And and I, I did like that the author kind of, you know, he did talk about the, the students doing a walkout in, you know, memory of the Florida shooting. Um, 
when Riggle got back to school, um, I thought that was kind of a nice um, circle back yeah. to, you know, the thread of that conversation. Yeah, he does. He does. I mean, he picks up on a lot of um, contemporary issues in the book and there it touches on a lot, but it doesn't feel like anything is completely dropped. Um, yeah. Like he just doesn't address certain things. Um, like it doesn't feel like that to me when I was reading it. So that was nice because it does always seem like some things just get lost. Um, and it was really succinct, like the way he structured it. I was really impressed. I guess he wrote this in a very short time. I can't remember. I had it in front of me at one point, but um, he wrote this book in a very short time compared to um, what I would imagine goes into a lot of books, but, um, and just, yeah, his overall use of the um, narrator's point of view and, and the stream of consciousness, I thought was amazingly well done, but yes, his school, oh my gosh, yeah, to jump backwards, but yeah, and, and a lot of adults failed him, um, I think, but for some reason, that teacher jumped <laughs> at me, <laughs> well, she shows up. He comes back in the book at the restaurant and is a mess. And I, it's, I, it created a nice little bonding moment for him and Chef, I thought. Um, they, they kind of had a, a little a moment there when she very drunkenly came back to see the kitchen. And um, I just, I thought that was, that was nice. And I, I hope that he's, he keeps working there <laughs> whether or not he moves up to 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 a, a cook or not i just want him to keep working with her because she seems like a good influence for yes. him yeah for sure she, and she yeah they seem like they have a decent decent rapport and and relationship starting um were there any other people or characters who really stuck out to you uh in the book um well, yes, and it's probably the one that, um, well, the uncle for sure sticks out, um, but also uh, remote. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, reading it through the first time, I was like, oh, okay, it's, you know, this little hand, you know, shadow puppet that his mom made up for, you know, explaining things to him, which I thought, oh. That was really clever, but then like rereading it, I remembered that he, that Riggle speaks about remote and himself as the same person, but also different, and that um, was a little confounding to me. Um, but uh, I really I thought as a as a character, um, remote's pretty is pretty interesting and the stories that he tells um, to explain how the days of the week were named were, you know, fascinating. But then he like, you know, Riggle gets confused because he shows up on, you know, the Confederate bicyclist and, you know, the, um, oh gosh, autistic Ross, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then that's kind of freaks him out a little bit. So then I was like, I'm sure there's, people that can do layers upon layers of what remote actually means to the story, but I can't. 
but I just, I like, I like the idea of him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a little surreal piece of like childhood almost like, mm-hmm. um, cause like you said, he does like, he is both connected and disconnected from Riggle. Riggle says, uh, there's like a conversation between, between them at one point that's like, um, I only know what you know. And, and like breaking that like wall down between them. And I was like, oh, that was so good. That was so like clever because that's just, that's how you would have a conversation with yourself essentially, but you've never really seen it done in a book and just like, yeah. And when he shows up with what those other characters in the book, he, he like wriggle goes into like a head spin about like, um, oh my gosh, how, my uncle must have talked to them. Somebody talked to them. How do they know about remote? And like, it doesn't cross yeah. his mind that like, it may not be the exact same thing to them, but it may just be another way that um, like stories and histories and myths and stuff are mm-hmm. different across our society, but there's still similar threads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought um, the uncle, whoop, I, to- I totally lost his name. Uh, Riggle's uncle, um, his girlfriend, Peggy, I think her character also super fascinating because we don't we don't really know anything about her other than what Riggle tells us, um, and the way that she decides to deal with the things that happen in the book, um, like she, I feel like she she treats him at the end finally as more of an adult. Um, and like, I don't know, I, I would like to know more about, about her life story. (laughs) Although I think I can probably imagine. (laughs) Poor Peggy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that ending was just, yes, confusing for me because he was, yeah, he was so convinced that she had some part in his uncle's ending and um and I was conflicted as a reader I was like oh yeah she totally did something and um but yeah I would also be interested to know more of her backstory um or just you know know more because I you're left with some questions at the end um yes I mean, like you're all with probably all good books, you're left with with thoughts and stuff. Um, but I can't. I hope Riggle, um, if he doesn't, I don't necessarily think he needs to necessarily leave opioid Indiana as far as like the actual town he lives in. But like maybe. I also took it like you were talking about opioid Indiana is also not just a physical place. It's a place that can kind of be anywhere. And it seems to be more of like um, a way of living almost. Um, So I hope that he's able to find kind of a break in a pattern that I see. Yes. Potentially developing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I can't remember why I became, um, kind of 
I don't want to say obsessed, but uh, pretty, pretty fascinated and interested in the whole opioid epidemic. I think it's because um, this is kind of uh, a meandering thing, but like one of the first books I read after um, I got done with grad school when I could do free reading was um, David Chef's book called um, Beautiful Boy. Um, and it's basically about his son's descent into meth addiction. And so I was like, oh, that's like, why does that happen? So then I read, you know, kind of some nonfiction book about meth addiction. And then like when the opioid thing happened, um, I just was interested in that and was reading it. And, um, you know, there, it's definitely, um, you, you could see how Riggle's story he's the product of the opioid epidemic and it's almost like if he stays in opioid Indiana, he is not like things are stacked against him so much that, you know, eventually he's going to succumb to drug addiction. It just seems like that's what happens to people um, that are, in that situation. And it's almost like I, I, I want him to move back to Texas um, and see if he can uh, figure things out there. I think he'd be much happier. I think he, he definitely has seasonal depression. <laughs> living, living in Indiana in the winter, he like his descriptors are like so good when he talks about the, the clouds and the sky being like different shades of coffee. I'm just like, yes. And it's like only people that live out here can relate to that because, you know, you've got like big blue skies of Texas. And then, you know, you also get big blue skies out here, but not all the time. And, and the winter is rough. Yeah. And it's, yeah, he, I did, I lived briefly in Arizona, so I, I could understand, like, the differences he was talking about between Texas sky and, you know, Midwest, inner, um, continental United States kind of, um, skies, but I never would have thought to compare them to coffee. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it just, I don't know, the author, he, he really has an interesting grasp on language and turns of phrases. And it makes me want to read his other book um, or like, and I think he's got some like other like short story type things that um, it'd be, it'd be fun to, to read those and compare like his use of language with this book. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I can see what you're talking about as far as Riggle's, potential need to leave uh, opioid Indiana because, yeah, like you said, the um, it seems to be, not that I am any sort of expert, but it does seem to be that there is generally the idea that, you know, taking yourself out of situations and where you're surrounded by certain habits or ways of um, being that that would lead you to be more likely to, to fall into um, drug addiction yes. uh, or any other types of addiction. Yeah. 
especially if he stays working in the restaurant industry, because <laughs> sometimes the back the back of the kitchen can be a <laughs> uh, little sketchy. But anyway, where I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the positive note that he's gonna he's gonna go out and go into the sunshine and put the weirdness behind him and you know do something maybe he'll go to culinary school who knows yeah yeah and he can be at the front of the kitchen and not the back <laughs> if he wants <laughs> yes yeah um and maybe he'll end up making you know eggs in a really fancy place in like Las Vegas or well maybe Las Vegas wouldn't be the best fit but maybe back in Texas <laughs> like smoking barbecue ribs or something yes yeah here we go awesome uh well thank you so much for joining me you're welcome um, I really appreciated it and this was an awesome conversation I loved by the way that I was able to read this thanks to you because I probably never would have picked it up otherwise. So thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> full of opioid uh, epidemic books to recommend to people. <laughs> um, and also young adult and children's books too. Yeah, that's right. We've got an a expert on our hands for, uh, for young adult and teen books. <laughs> um, but if you are also looking for other recommendations um, that are not necessarily uh, teen books, uh, if you enjoyed this book or end up reading it and enjoying it, there are a couple of other books I would highly recommend. Um, the Mothers by Britt Bennett, which is a newer one that you all may have heard of. It was the latest All Iowa Reads. Um, also Read at the Bone by Jacqueline Woodson. Um, and then uh, one of my favorites uh, more recently, Everything Here is Beautiful um, by Mira T. Lee. Uh, those are my top three recommendations for this. Um, all really insightful, um, kind of gut-wrenching books, but <laughs> really wonderful books. So um, anyway, thanks everybody for joining us for uh, this latest edition of LTOM. We will hopefully be back next month. This may be what it should go. Thanks, Erin. Have a great Thank rest you. of the day.